that's really what I can say. It's like no episode has gone under 200 people. Why do 200 people listen to me? I have no fucking idea. That's. <laughs> I don't know why people listen to me, bro. Like, I literally, this shit is like, um, this shit is therapeutic for me. So, like, getting back to, you know, just just doing it has been, it, it's it's been a journey to even get back to like talking to people on podcasts and shit. So, well, let me see. Welcome to Positivity of Isaiah K. Floyd. I'm here with my good friend, Ortavia Simon, a.k.a. my nemesis in law school. My nemesis in law school. Bruh, I'll never forget, bro. We was in, um, we was in like trial practice or something like that, bro. Or maybe, I don't know what it was, but you looked at Judge Whitehead. He was like, that's my rival in law school. Like, bro, why you tell the judge that? Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Law school was so funny, bro. Actually, um, I do remember us being very competitive with one another mm-hmm. in law school. Um, and honestly, I really don't know how that started. Like, you know. Um, Probably me bullshitting all the time. I play yeah, too damn yeah. much, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, But you were younger than me, too. Yeah, yeah, bro. I th- what are you, four years older than me? I'm, I'm 32. Yeah, I'm 30. Uh, I'll be 36 in August. So okay. you were a little younger than me. And for some reason, you know, we just kind of had this little competing thing going on. Yeah. But it's funny. It's, what's also funny, though, is we kind of hung out around the same crowd. Though. Yeah. Uh, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm bullshit. I'm bullshit. Like Amina, Joya, they're all cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, I don't talk to my ex. Uh <laughs> Um, and then it's um who else was in it arthur arthur i actually brought on to work at my firm i I looked that up i was like wait a minute so arthur works in your firm so y'all first off you work in a defense firm right Mm -hmm. okay yeah i noticed i mean i'm trying to get y'all to come to the other side man never gonna happen bro all the black people that's over there because of me so like it's not gonna happen bro I saw all the black people on the website. I'm like, this dude had to bring all these. Uh, all the at least you know me very well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ain't no way in the world these people would go and work for this firm without uh, black folks recruiting them or something like bro, that. Bro, it's the money, bro. It's, it's once I sell them on the money, then I sell them on the bonus. Then I'm like, hey, come on and work here, bro. Like, for real, for real, bro. Like, literally, like, I mean, I probably have a couple of special privileges and whatnot, like, you know, where I can come into the office three days a week and work remotely two days. Maybe I can come into the office two days a week. I forgot what he said. I don't know. But <laughs> I've been mostly, bro, honestly, like, my apartment, like, here in mm-hmm. Sarasota, like, bro, like, this shit is, I'm basically, like, moving shit out, right, to move to move back to Tampa. So it's like, I literally have been working in Tampa for, like, the past few weeks, bro, which is very, very strange because, uh, I've been walking around Tampa and like whenever I walk around Tampa on the streets, bro, it's somebody that mm-hmm. knows me that scares the shit out of me because I don't know them. And yeah. so it gives me like this crazy, unreal sense of anxiety of like, what the fuck did I do to you? Because you might harm me. <laughs> so- <laughs> That's what happens when you're always fucking with people. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, damn, bro. Like, did I do anything to this person? Like, but like, I was walking around High Park uh, in Tampa. I don't know if you know where that's at. And somebody was like, Floyd, is that you? Floyd. It was really aggressive, but it's Tampa. And so, like, I turned around. I was like, man. I'm like, Brad, like, at this point, I'm like, I'm like, I'm 181 pounds. I might as well just get my ass whooped. Like this is not good, like at all. Like, bro, I was, I'm I'm looking at myself like, bro, you done lost all this goddamn weight. You know what I'm saying? You ain't been in the gym. Like, you gonna get your ass whooped. And it was just, it was my homeboy from high school. I, it took him a long time to like set the foundation for like how he knew me and everything. And then I, and then then it clicked. I was like, oh shit, you follow me on Instagram too? And Facebook. He's like, yeah. Like, damn, you don't remember me? I was like, nah, I don't remember nobody from high school bro but you know then we sat down we ate he invited me to sit down and eat with his colleague and shit like that that was that was pretty dope i actually needed that kind of pickup when i was walking around so it was it was that was that was really dope but for us for for a split second bro i was like 
yeah, like this person is definitely gonna kill me, bro. I don't know what the fuck I did to this person. Like I really, really was like <laughs> That's the same behavior from law school. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> a true asshole. Of course, that's what you are. <laughs> that's what you are. So, um, but actually I'm I'm kinda of proud of you. <laughs> bro, what was what was so funny is I just finished the podcast. Um, yeah. talking to a young lady about being a black woman in tech and she was like yeah like I think you're extroverted and I was like extroverted <laughs> I was like yo I'm like super duper introverted and and I don't think people know that so I mean you probably seen firsthand because you used to come over to um, the, my ex's crib where I was basically living <laughs> but you used to come over and, and bro like I you like bro if I didn't go to law school bro y'all would never see me bro Y'all would never see me like because <laughs> like, I'd just I mean, be in the crib. I, I, I don't. I don't remember you being like super, super extroverted. But I mean, mm-hmm. we were in law school. We were kind of forced to, you know, yep. hang out with one another and you know things like that. But you know, I, I don't remember if you were extrovert. I wouldn't say you were extra. I mean, you, you had a, obviously you got a, a very social personality. You know, being able to talk to. I people, got a social media. Um, and, and, yeah, that shit that runs shit, out. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I mean it's obviously a skill you have to have, especially to be a, a lawyer. Right? Yeah. So if you're an attorney, you got even if you're introvert or extrovert, you have to be able to have conversations and dialogue with people and sort of interact with people in somewhat of an extroverted way. Shit. But uh, I yeah, wish but no, I wish you would explain that to some people that work with me. Yeah, no, man, you definitely seem like a little nerd to me. You know. What <laughs> 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 no, nah, it's just uh, some people that work with me they don't understand. That you must be social in this particular. Yeah. You as a litigator, you have to be social. Like Absolutely. you have to be a social person, and like you just yeah. have your social meter. My shit runs out at a certain period of time, and I'm not talking to nobody. But um, like it's just strange to see like when I see like new associates come in and they're like they don't know how to talk to people. I'm like, damn, yeah. you don't know how to pick up the phone and talk to nobody. Like that's weird. <laughs> but I got that from working in personal injury where. Yeah. You know how it is where like you constantly have to talk to laypersons. You got to explain shit. Why am I not getting $400,000? Because the Morgan and Morgan sign lied to you. I'm sorry. Like your leg ain't cut off. Like you're not getting $400,000 short. <laughs> like it's just, it's just shit like that, like that you have to go through and you learn to talk to people um, yeah. and not just talk to people, but talk to people in a very, very real way so that they understand where you're coming from. So I mean, that's that's what I picked up. And that's why I kind of I've gotten further in my career working for mm-hmm. an insurance defense firm, not per se insurance defense firm, but more more so corporate defense, because we do a lot of corporate stuff. So but but, um, you, but you worked on a plaintiff side as well as the defense side. And I suppose that you like the defense side better. I thought you for a second, I thought you were going to just say I worked on the plaintiff side so that people can like file motions to remove me from cases. <laughs> To basically be like, nah, this motherfucker know, like, blah, 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 blah. But um, I do like the defense side better. Um, to be completely honest with you, I still do personal injury. I have about 35 personal injury cases. Uh, <laughs> well, most of the yeah. firms do that, especially in that in the uh, Tampa area of the state. They do that all the time. I, I, I've mm. known up against quite a few defense firms. I have my own separate okay. entity, bro. So if you ever you go on some biz and you look me up, it says Floyd Law PLLC. I still own my own firm. Oh, really? Yeah. I just run it through my boss for a conflict check and I just work it on my own. Oh, wow. Okay. And sometimes I can take it in through the firm, but then you got to use the firm's resources and shit like that. And then you got to split the money a certain type of way. If it's an easy enough case for me, if it's like getting a 10 policy and we can go in that in detail. But if it's like getting a 10 policy or some shit like that, like, no, bro, I'm not splitting that shit with y'all. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm confused about why. I mean, it's obviously a good, some somewhat segue into our discussions this evening as well, I suppose. But I'm confused about why, you know, us I, brothers haven't gotten together and tried to figure out how to make a, a mega, mega firm. firm. Yeah, man. Seeing you know, that you're a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Um, well, this is not just a arrival from law school, bro. Also, one of your brothers. Bro, yeah, I, I don't say fraternity brothers. I just I call it brothers. Like honestly, that's right. Um, so, bro, that has been a major conversation 
with a, a, another gentleman, Antoine Daniels, for quite some time. Because our Mu Epsilon chapter of Phi Beta Sigma at Florida State has about 12 attorneys. And so the thing about it is me and one of the bros don't get along. <laughs> so we would never, bro. Nah, we would. We, I was never an asshole to him, but me and him would never fucking work together. But other bros, like I get along with. So when they were talking about trying to form something like a big, a big black firm of just members of Phi Beta Sigma, you know what I'm saying? It just, you know, egos get in the way. You know, there's some brothers that are further along than other brothers in in the whole thing. So, you know, I don't know. I think it would have to be like a very, very like you'd have to have like a like brand new attorneys jump out there, you know what I'm saying, and inform that together as brothers of Phi Beta Sigma to to really have that type of firm. But honestly, is there a, a is there tons of us that are attorneys as Sigmas located in the same exact area? Yes, I mean it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, well, the bottom line is, I think that. Yeah, because that's the one thing that I've been doing, man. I've been, I, I, you know, you you know how I've sort of managed my. Well, you don't know how I manage my practice, but I've managed to really grow in the uh, area of personal injury and being one of those lawyers that kind of went out and started my own practice. Not very many of us brothers that uh you know go out and start our own practice. Black folks, period. I think I muted it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now what were you saying, bro? No, I was saying, like, so the one thing that I've sort of struggled with is finding some young lawyers that want to, you know, start their own practices or, like, sort of create that larger firm, you know, because starting your own practice and practicing law, as you know, especially working from the plaintiff side, it's a big responsibility. Money is not so much the issue, you know what I'm saying? The money is ain't really a big deal, you know what I'm saying, especially when you've gotten to the level in this thing that I'm on. The thing is just trying to find like someone that can match the energy and um, somebody that's willing to be as aggressive and assertive as you are. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm telling you, man, I just struggle like trying to find somebody. If I could find like a good ass partner, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's, I don't know. I've just had a hard time finding anyone that has the courage to just go out there and be like, "All right, let's do this." You know what I'm saying? Are you trying and to pitch how to me? To litigate? What's that? You trying to pitch to me? No, no. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, bro. It's it's even on the defense side. It's like uh, trying to find like people that are eager to jump over to just make money, bro. Like some people are so afraid of the challenge. And it's crazy that African-Americans such as ourselves are afraid for that challenge. Like, you know, I recently went through this whole bout, bro, where. I really didn't want to help nobody anymore because I had tried to help two people get a job. Then I found out that the two people really didn't like me. And that like fucked up my mind because I was like, damn, bro, I, I didn't put my reputation online, you know, basically for, for you two people, at least, at least one. Cause I know one interviewed twice or something like that. I don't know, but I know I put my reputation online just to find out that, yo, you didn't really fuck with me. So it's like, damn, like, how could you not fuck with me when I really actually tried to help you? So, but I think, you know, then you got to go back to, you know, the Bible and be like, bro, like, that ain't got shit to do with you. You got to do the righteous thing. So, like, (laughs) as long as you move with a righteous heart, then you should be okay, right, Isaiah? So, I I had to go through that whole cluster. But it was just crazy because I was trying to help other black young lawyers get jo- get a job at my firm. My firm is still currently hiring in Fort Lauderdale, in Sarasota. Like, we're still hiring because we need a ton of people. Yeah. To get people to leave the little bullshit-ass <laughs> gig that they got yeah. to just make six figures is completely unreasonable to me. It, it's nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. And if anybody's triggered because I said it was a bullshit-ass gig that they have, I'm happy that you're triggered. Because the money that's being offered at my firm and the freedom that you have, the autonomy to work your own cases, for you to 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 bypass that out of fear is nuts. And so on your side, 
a lot of people are afraid, and I was afraid of this too, of hunting, yep. going out, going getting those cases. You better yep. hit every single damn church. You better hit every single networking event. You better hustle to get cases in so you can make this money. I don't know why I was so afraid of that. What happened was when I went over to the firm that I'm at, I'm sitting there, bro. I'm posting on Facebook. I'm posting on Instagram. Motherfuckers start sending me cases. Yeah. Not people that I went to law school with. Nah, fuck no. No, no, don't send me shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, they know. No, no. It'd be the people from undergrad and high school. The people I don't even remember from high school that send me the cases. Yeah, the you know what I'm saying? Calling your name out down the street. Bro, I kid you not. I was off of Facebook and Instagram for three weeks. The people from high school that hit me up. I my I had the same phone number since high school. Since middle school. The people from high school that hit me up was like, bro, you alive? (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, man. But those are the people that send me these like cases and I go sign them up because it's just money in my bank account, bro. It's, it's, I don't really like talk about how much I make, but personal injury. I mean, damn, even if you get like 10 policies here and here, if you got your salary, that's six figures. Boy, you be making you making your two hundreds eventually. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's easy. It's an easy hustle, but you just gotta be down for doing it. A lot of people are not down for the work to doing it. I don't know how to encourage people. That's why I brought you on the pod. I don't know how to encourage people to 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 make that next jump. Yeah, man. But the, see, that's the thing, right? Because when I started out. Obviously, like I, I, I saw the progression. Like it was the trajectory was just crazy. It was insane, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, I don't mind talking about my money because <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. No, it's just like um, <laughs> I bought a Rolls Royce before you too. You, you showed it, hey, bro. I, I'm gonna be real. I got a Tesla. I will never buy a Rolls Royce. I will. I will keep my Tesla. I will never buy a Rolls Royce. So go ahead, yeah. big dog. No, I mean, look, it's amazing. Look, you're taking me off topic. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get you back, get you back, get you back. <laughs> but, but no, what's funny, though, is uh, I was thinking, I was like, man, do I want to get rid of this Rolls? Do I want to keep it? Mm-hmm. And I was telling somebody, man, I like the reaction I get from people when I ride it. Like, it's funny, you know, people be trying to record me and shit. Like, people, yeah. so I was riding down 95, and somebody jumps out of the sunroof, man. On 95, my driver's driving me and shit. He jumps out of the sunroof for the camera. He's like, take pictures and shit. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I'm stunned. I'm here working, right? I'm stunned. Like, what the hell? And then my driver goes past him. They come on the side and the dudes. So I let the window down. I throw the piece sad out of shit, you know? Because I'm, like, excited about just the reaction. It's crazy how people act when they see that car. And honestly, it's just a car. It's no big deal. It's yeah. just a car. But it is cool. <laughs> you see how people act. Yeah, I love my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a Model 3. I do not have a Model S, but I mean, my battery recently, something something was fucked up about something about my battery or something like that. So I was going to trade that shit in and pay for cash to get me a Model S to upgrade or whatever. I didn't, like, bro, I love my shit. I mean, I used to be, it's just a car. It's just a material possession. But yep. then when you realize, like, I paid cash for this shit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I worked my ass off for this shit. You know what I'm saying? And when you start looking at how much, how many hours you put in, you know, the fact that you had to study for a bar exam, the fact that you had to go sit for your bar exam, the fact that you went through all this fucking stress, you earned that. Like, that's a yeah. blessing. So I don't really minimize it anymore as it's just a car. I know God can take it away like that because he did take it away for two weeks when that damn battery went out. But... <laughs> At the same time, it's just I'm appreciative yeah. of how I got it because I, I didn't get it from selling drugs or nothing. I got it yeah. from practicing the law, the hustle. Right. Yeah. The hustle. And see, that, that was the thing, you know, and, and you're right. You know, it is hard work. But a lot of times I'm always I always want to make sure people know that I am still just down to earth, modest Simon. OK, I'm not. Fuck all that. <laughs> Fuck that. You're an asshole. That's what I'm talking about. But but my point is <laughs> but my point is, you know, and just kind of circling back to what you were talking about in terms of that fear, right? Of of what you know, going out there and hunting. Like it was never really it's it's strange, right? Because it was never really like this crazy hunt for me. 
I always had this ability and a gift to gab and to sort of uh, build mm-hmm. relationships with people and had a certain charisma by myself, right? So being able to talk to people and really take, you know, my prior experience and my prior education. You remember mortuary science was what I went to school That for, was, yeah. Right? And, and when I was in law school telling everybody I was going to be a mortuary lawyer, they thought I was crazy as hell. I didn't think but you were crazy. You, it was common sense to me because you, you started talking about the environmental effects of um, – Mercury, emissions. mercury, yeah, and in, in, inside the drinking oil and, and drinking water and shit like that, I was like, all right, this motherfucker knows science, and this is some science. I do finance, I do numbers, I do math, so I don't know none of this shit. But well, I didn't think it was, was crazy. Just, that was just upper level. It's just some, you know, impressive shit along the lines yeah. of what I had initially. That's you know? that is what you wrote your upper level on. My dumbass wrote an upper level talking about. And look, if I ever run for a judgeship, I do not agree with what I wrote for my upper level. So don't use it against me. Because I didn't, I was just trying to get out of law school. I do not believe that poverty should be considered a suspect classification. But I just want to make that abundantly clear. If anybody ever puts me up for a judgeship, I do not agree with it. I do not stand by what I wrote. I wrote it to get out of law school. All right, go ahead, carry on, bro. Carry on. Well, I will. I will say. That, you know, what I was really trying to do was take this niche practice area that I was focused on. And it was really just a branding tactic. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, it was brilliant branded. Like, for instance, the death care lawyer, right? Like, that was all branded. My whole idea behind the concept from the very, very beginning was to make people think when they think of wrongful deaths, when they think of mortuary disputes, crematory disputes, uh, cemetery disputes, anything that deals with death care other than probate, right. Mm -hmm. To think of Simon law group. And it actually, it was effective. It's so much so that even now, right. Like when you look at the composition of the caseload that I have in my firm, I started out initially doing criminal law and family law. I was Mm -hmm. taking some personal injury cases and I was like working them up until I was getting paid on them. Then eventually I completely phased out all of the part, all of the family law, all of the criminal law. And then I had nothing but auto accidents. Mm-hmm. It was crazy because while I was like getting auto accidents, I was still like focusing on this brand and the death care lawyer, the death care lawyer, death care lawyer. And next thing you know, the composition of my firm's cases went from no motor vehicle accidents or just a handful of motor vehicle accidents to all wrongful death. Like literally mm. the bulk of everything I do in my practice is wrongful death. Mm. And I don't, any marketing at all, none other than some little bullshit on Facebook occasionally and whatnot, but no marketing. You know, I really focused on building on relationships with funeral homes, with funeral directors, you know, um, and then just doing really good work for. Ah, <laughs> uh, now nah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I ain't going to say shit. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I know how the game go. <laughs> I know how to, I ain't going to say shit. I'm just going to say, no, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, this is educational purposes, so that's how I like my podcast. If you really want to work the personal injury game, like I said, hit your churches, get close with the pastors at different churches, get close with funeral home directors, things like that. The whole ambulance chaser bullshit, okay, call me what you want to call me, but whatever you're going to call me, you're going to call me paid at the end of the day. (laughs) So that's just how it works. I mean, unless you have this dynamic personality where people fuck with you. It's really tough for you to really get out there and go get cases. I understand that's a very, very uh, scary thing. If you're not a social media person like me, like where I write, like just thought provoking shit to antagonize people or just to see what people are going to say. That gives me a little bit of a click. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? I, I literally like, if you look at my profile picture, bro, it says, now, why would you argue with this person on Marcus Zuckerberg's website? Like, I wrote that on purpose, and because it gets me views. It's either you you're not gonna like me, or you're gonna like me. But if you like me, you might consider me being your attorney because I do write some thought provoking things on there as well. So it's it's all about marketing, and I don't think going back and I'm gonna call this episode um, the hunt, basically. The law hunt. I'm going to just call this shit. So I'm going to name it some shit like the hunt. But like when you're in the hunt, marketing matters. Presence matters. Appearance matters. Yep. If you are walking around in sweats all the time, 
as an attorney and people actually see you, you're not really doing too well in the personal injury game as far as marketing yourself. You know, you need to show that you have something. You need to appear like you have something. Um, Fake it till you make it, basically. Um, And and you're right. Like, that mm -hmm. was the whole thing. And honestly, like, again, the rose had nothing to do with that. You know, I have other cars as well. Fancy Mm -hmm. ass cars. Talk your shit, Uh, Octavia. Talk your shit. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) I got some nice stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But my point is, People do want lawyers that they perceive as being successful. You don't want no broke lawyer. You don't want no broke personal injury <laughs> lawyer. This is the bottom line. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like my wife, she ride up nice. She got the Porsche GTS. Mm-hmm. You know, I can pull up in the S class, the Sadies, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's or why. the Rolls Royce. And when people when I pull up, people take me seriously. Because the first thing that I went to a funeral the other day, for instance. Um, one of my uh, colleagues is a white attorney. Uh, his mom died. And mm-hmm. literally, I was probably like one of the only black people at the entire funeral. It was a Jewish funeral. Okay. I've never been to a Jewish funeral before. Mm-hmm. But when I pulled up in that Rolls Royce, every white person at the cemetery was turning to figure out who that was. Yeah. And when I got out, I was getting compliments and people were talking about, oh my God, you know, you you must be doing very well. At first, what, and, one, and one person even said something like, Damn, you outdid your mentor. Like, you, know, you outgrew him. <laughs> you know? Like, that's the, that's the perception. It's like when people see certain materialistic things, the thought is that you're doing well. Yeah. And it, it's all about that whole branding of yourself, like you said. And honestly, I don't even do that probably as well as I can because there are a lot of people online that really use social media to brand themselves and things that they have. Think like they call them receipts, right? You know, like they got receipts for the success or receipts for how well that they're doing. Um, And honestly, I really don't like to be like overly pretentious or anything like that and display my life in that manner. I do believe that it's okay for me to show people that I have, have reached some level of success and that I do well. Um, And, but in the same sense, you know, I'm always trying to be careful not to come across as some uppity person that is not approachable because mm-hmm. that's still what's relevant to success, right? Is being approachable. approachable. You want people to feel like they can they can reach you and like they can talk to you and that, you know, you're like you're still normal. You know what I mean? It's a very, very delicate balancing act. And this is what I say. I never agree with anybody on social media that writes is this is dumb. Don't ever write a post that says don't ask me no legal question without paying me or some shit like that. Whatever you want to ask me, ask me. Mm-hmm. I'll look at it and I'll say, I can't really answer that question until like I do some research. It's going to cost you money for me to do the research. Yeah. If you want to pay me like the 75 to go do the research, $75, you know, whatever. Like, that's cool. Like, I'll just go do the research. But the people that automatically send out a message that cut themselves off from anybody even reaching out for them to ask a general question... You're cutting yourself off from potential business, you know, and so it's all about how you huh? it's all about how you actually when you're on social media, when you're out there marketing, it's all about how you respond. And, And you're right, whether or not you're approachable. A lot of people might think I'm an asshole, but I've definitely tutored a lot of people for the bar exam. A lot of people have passed the bar exam um, because of me. A lot of people have been mentored by me. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people know that I'm approachable. I have a ton of DMs I can show you right now where people ask me all these damn legal questions. So I'm approachable because I respond to each one and I might forget to follow up. But if I forget to follow up, I always write them back and be like, yo, it's your responsibility to follow up with me because I might forget. But I mean, you have to be approachable. That's one part of it. So it's like image is important, you know, as being a member of Five Bitty Sigma, image is important. But also being approachable is important as well. So it's a yeah. delicate balance in that. It is because you want to be able to show people your success. And, you know, like that's that's like another problem. You know, like I've had a lawyer tell me one time in court, you just want to, he's like, oh, you just want me to pay for your fucking car. Like, you know, like that, that, was, <laughs> that was his response. I'm like, yeah, of course I want you to pay for it. You know, uh, but my, my point is, you know, you know, especially being, uh, you know, part of what we talked about earlier, being a young black 
you know, entrepreneur, long, young black attorney in this game. You know what I'm saying? And this balancing act is not just that you have to sort of, you know, deal with. It's not just with potential clients. It's also with your counterparts, the yeah. ones that don't look like us, the ones that may not come from similar backgrounds. You know, I, for instance, I've, I've gone to depositions and gone up against lawyers and lawyers say, is that your car up there? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, that's my car out there. And they're like, don't you ever call me privileges again in my life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, but, you know, so it is, it's like a balancing act to so many levels of making sure that people don't create these, you know, perceptions of you in their mind because of what you have or, you know, or that, you know, or, um, you know, that they treat you like you're something that you're not because. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that I think that is probably the biggest struggle. You know, like, you know, like, for instance, if you are doing well and you're successful, people sometimes think that you're arrogant or that you're, you know, like you have a bad attitude or that, you know, you're all of these things because you are proud of how successful you are and are confident in that. Yeah. You know, and you see it a lot in our profession, especially as it relates to the way we're treated by other people, people that don't particularly don't look like us. Yeah. You know, we can't be aggressive and assertive or confident and make our money and pop our collar and shit without them feeling like, you know, we're some arrogant, cocky, young black attorney. Yeah. Uh, and that is the unfortunate part about it. But I'm always trying to balance, you know, to make sure that I, you know, just give just enough, but still in the same sense that I maintain sort of some identity to myself. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that people can approach me and feel like they can tolerate and deal with me in the same, in the same breath. But um, so it's, it's, it's always very difficult to, you know, be a, a young entrepreneur, a young black lawyer and, and do what you got to do without people judging you. That's, That's what I'm going to call this shit. I'm going to call this, I'm going to call this shit the black lawyer, lawyer hunt. The, the black lawyer hunt. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm, no, I'll, I'll and, and, I'll, and I'll say this also, like, you know, even down to, you know, back to hunting cases. I mean, a lot of that was just building the relationships. Exactly. You know what I mean, it was just building relationships and making people feel comfortable enough to send you to business. And now, like I said, we're at a place where we get, we get the referrals, we get the, the cases, we get yeah. the clients, yeah. you know, and quite frankly, I'd rather do the shit I'm doing than chasing 10 twenties any day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I go chase, chase 10 twenties or 25 fifties, you know, and, you know, go make twenty five thousand after litigating case because you know in my ass I'm gonna litigate whatever. I don't <laughs> you want the forty? <laughs> the forty percent? <laughs> I got you, so, man. It ain't it ain't for the forty, but it's because at the end of the day, you know, back to what we were talking about, bro. At the, at the end of the day, you're a young black attorney. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You want them to take you seriously. You want them to feel like you're confident and that you're not afraid. Mm -hmm. So you have to litigate things. You know what I mean? You have to, like, that's the reputation that I built for myself in this practice. And I remember we got to the point where we were dealing with the same adjusters and the same lawyers. And the word was kind of going around by Simon Law Group. You know, oh, mm -hmm. that lawyer, yeah, he's an asshole. You know, but that was, <laughs> that was kind of the, the little, the little, you know, thing that people knew is like we were going to be aggressive we were going to be assertive because it was important for people to take us seriously yeah so for me i you know i'd rather litigate everything that comes through the door just to make that point look i'm this young black lawyer but i'll dance circles around you when it's time to work you know what exactly. I mean? i'll work you you know, I like that commercial with that lawyer that's in his office with a nightlight on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd be in this motherfucker. The nightlight be on, and I just be here working because I'm going to outwork the opponent. And um, and unfortunately, sometimes people pre have predisposed um, predispositions about us because of the color of our skin or because of our youthfulness. They think that we're not going to work hard or that we're not going to put our best foot forward. And that has been one of the biggest challenges in this practice. I mean, even down to like judges, bro. Like yeah. I've experienced shit with judges, man. Like judges, the way they've treated me in the courtroom. Like that's crazy. I, like, I'm on this coast. I ain't never had no problem with no judges because I be right. 
I'd be right, bro. Like, I'd be like, damn, like, like, I don't care how this. The other thing is to, well, let me, let me bring this cir- full circle for people that's listening. What yeah. Ortavia and I are saying is when you're on this hunt, the things that you need is image, relationships, and work ethic. That's the three things that we're pointing out here for anybody who's kind of missing the point. Because uh, I know we're me and Ortavia are making jokes and going back and forth or whatever like that. But those are the three main things that we're really, really hinting to you. I wouldn't even say I say image is a part of marketing. So, yeah, image, um, relationships and work ethic. Yeah. And just to go back to relationships, like relationships start with your judges, too. You know, yeah. if you write a shitty motion <laughs> with spelling errors and shit like that as a black man, as a black attorney, boy, boy, do you look like a stereotype. Yeah. But if you write this pristine motion, make sure you reviewed it, make sure you review it. And then you go in there, you argue it to the best of your ability, whether you win or not. Who the fuck cares if you win or not? You lose motions, you win, lose motions. It is what it is. Yeah. Then you start to build that relationship with that judge because that judge knows that they can trust you. They, that judge knows that, well, he might not win this argument, but at least motherfucker didn't lie inside the motion. You know, that's super duper important. And then yeah. just like you said, it's the relationships within the community, too. It's yeah. the relationships even on and off of social media. So, you know, relationships with churches, relationships with Funeral home directors, relationships with family, relationships with friends, relationship with high school colleagues, undergrad colleagues, you know, all these different people that you have and, to build when you're hunting. And your client. And your client. That's the let me tell you something. The best referral is from a client. Absolutely. The Absolutely. best referral is from a client. If a client can say, This Isaiah Floyd got me fifty thousand, I ain't really have to do nothing. He said, I got it once I finished treating. He got me my 50000 That's the best referral that you can ever get. The other person looking like, shit, you didn't really have to do nothing? Nah. Okay, cool. I'm going to go down to the floor. And right. that's how you start building up your caseload. That's how you start getting more and more referrals in every single day. And you don't even have to ap- advertise for that. You know what nah, I'm saying? I did, a, I did a wrongful death case uh, out in uh, Gainesville. Mm-hmm. And I got the client a good amount of money uh, for a very shitty case. And uh, must and be taking over Chestnuts area now. Let me stop. Actually, Let me stop. Let me stop. Well, so another thing, but you, y'all don't know yet, right? Because check me out. These Chestnuts still cool. That's my home. We still talk. But I just opened a second office in Jacksonville. Nobody know that, knows that. I just dropped the mic on that. Okay. Second office in Jacksonville. My shit is in downtown mm-hmm. Jacksonville on East Adams. I bought a got a twenty six hundred square foot building. Yeah, on East Adams in downtown Jacksonville because mm-hmm. I'm gonna goddamn take all fair and fair's money. Okay, right? far clients. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so. What I was trying to do was hoping is that we could get more representation in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I did that. But I'm saying back to the initial story. You know, very shitty case, but we got he got the client a good amount of money, uh, six figures. And um, after we got that case settled, she knew someone that had a friend that had a daughter that was killed in an apartment complex. Whew. And literally, in in Jacksonville. Now, mind you, this 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 one was in Gainesville. Here we go. The negligent security bullshit. Here we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) She referred a friend in Jacksonville Uh to me. And uh, after referring that friend to me, I ended up, of course, uh, procuring another wrongful death case, which is is, we talk about money. Right. Like even even bullshit cases. But my point by saying that is having a real good relationship with the client Mm -hmm. and making sure that my client had trusted me for one. Uh, uh, had an appreciation for my positive and, and aggressive work ethic, uh, and you know me being, you know, a, just a good lawyer to her. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That that led me to I haven't settled the case yet or even got a judgment yet, but at least nuisance value. And in yeah. wrongful death cases, nuisance value is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So it just goes to show just how important building those relationships with people are. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because you know, it just leads to more cl- more cases, more clients, 
people will talk about you as long as you treat people right and you do good, do good work and uh, have a really good reputation. Yeah. So what's, what's your, so we talked about pretty much the three things that we really want to talk about, which is image um, relationships and work ethic. What do you, what else do you think is lacking and what's needed in order to be successful as a black attorney, as an entrepreneur out here with your own firm? What do you think is lacking? Well, so, well, let me make sure I understand your question. Are you asking as a black attorney to be successful as a black attorney or to be successful as an entrepreneur? As a black attorney. I don't really care about, I don't want to do the overall, like, nah, let's, I'm black. Go ahead and tell us a black attorney. As a black attorney, I mean, I just think that, you know, outworking your opponent, you know, um, and to be honest with you, let me say it this way. You know, I've had, I've, you know, I've also helped to develop some young black lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, you know, for instance, the the law school fam does like a clerkship where the law students can come and work in a firm and they can get credit mm-hmm. for working in the firm. And I've done that with uh, a couple of uh, law students as well. So I'm always trying to give them opportunities. One of the things that I think that most young lawyers, you kind of hinted on it, right? You talked about it. The one thing that I think most young lawyers that want to be entrepreneurs probably lack is experience. <laughs> and when I say experience, like maybe they do got to go work for those bullshit defense firms to start. You might have to. <laughs> to start out, right? Like, I will tell you, I am all for the point of sight. I can't even think like a defense attorney. That's oh, I not can. 100% true. I can definitely think like a defense attorney. You got to be able to think like this. I can defend the case now. I will litigate a motherfucking kid. I will sit there in trial and defend all day long. I'm I'm a trial attorney, man. That's what I yeah. love, man. Like I yeah. just love six people in the box that's gonna listen to me and yeah. hear me out. You know what I'm saying? No, you know what would be weird though? Cause you know, at the end of the day, like we are both very theatrical and shit. <laughs> and, like, us it's and, theatrical. And, and, that would be crazy. Because a trial is really, I'll be honest with everybody, a trial is really 90% theatrics, 10% yeah. law. I'm really yeah. just trying to sell these six people in this box that, you know, my side of the story is better than the other side of the story. That's all it is, man. I think you would have a hard time trying to sell the story up against me, Isaiah. I'm just saying because... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, said, saying, I hit you look, with, you know, look, this is just simply a sad story. Young man yeah. died, I, I completely understand. But yeah. it ain't my client's fault. I will hit you with a theme no, that no. will ring and I'll repeat the theme over and over and over yeah, again. Absolutely. But let me tell you something. <laughs> the problem is you'll be focusing on the wrong theme, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Like, that ain't gonna be the theme. Because I, I tell defense attorneys all the time when they want to, I had a defense lawyer say, damn, Simon, you did a really good job distracting me from the issues in this case. I was like, you call it distracting you from the issues. Those issues weren't important. That's the bottom line. And guess what? Before you ever get a t- an opportunity to say a word, I get to go first. And the jury going to hate your client before I before you say a single word. The jury's going to hate your client. This is why I'm so happy I'm back to podcasting because this is getting my um, competitiveness back. So I, I'm start, I'm slowly starting to become Isaiah Floyd again. So <laughs> the shit that Ortavia's saying, I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> so for the sole purpose of moving forward with this uh, this this podcast, but I'm gonna be real with you. Anybody, I'm gonna be real. Anybody who set foot in a in a courtroom with me. I'm going to destroy your ass. I'm telling you straight up. Anybody who set foot in a courtroom with me, I said just like the dude off a of paid in full. Anybody be who fuck with me, look at me any type of strange way, whatever. When you set foot in that courtroom, I'm going to destroy you in a trial. All right. So you think everything you look at my social media personality, all that shit. Oh, that's all sweet. It's times a thousand if you set foot with me in the courtroom and there's six people in that box. That's all I'm, I'm trying to say. Trying, I'm just trying to figure out who your clients are. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, my clients are corporations. <laughs> we gonna sit there and, and I just need to know your clients. Are your client could be your client could be the 90 year old old lady, and I promise you, you don't want to see me. 
I'm just letting people know off rip right now. <laughs> and I can't wait. Like, I'm like, damn, can't wait. Because I always get cases with, up against defense attorneys out in Tampa. And I just can't wait because I'm telling you, if I see your name across my desk. <laughs> Bro, you know, what's the, you know what's the messed up thing? And I'll say this. I, I can say this about my firm. They will assign the personal injury defense cases to another attorney in our office, and that just make me work on first party shit. And first party or like professional negligence or like premise liability stuff sometimes, or like veterinary malpractice stuff like that. Like they'll give that to somebody else. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I do have a number of personal injury cases, but most of them are against progressive. I'll be 100. I tell people the truth. Most of my cases are against progressive and Geico. Because Geico still wants to fight about every little damn thing. But, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if Geico wants to hire us as outside panel counsel, I am 100% supportive of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, yeah, man, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's that's just the name of the game, man. And and I'm, I'm being trained and I'm very, very confident in trials now. So yep. it's, it's, it's just one of those things. And, you're right. So I would what's say the, the four what, thing. What's the largest verdict? A zero verdict, bro. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a damn. Bro, I just. No, I, I, asked the, I asked the question in reverse. He said, what's the largest verdict? Zero. You know, my, uh, my largest verdict is five million. Jesus. Well, congratulations. That five person million. was not Isaiah Floyd. <laughs> it, was five million, it was five million in Seminole County, Florida, in a negligent security case. When I say I'm the truth out here, brother, I'm the truth. We got five million in a negligent security case in Seminole County, Florida. My dude got shot nine times and he survived it. Okay. And, uh, was it game related? No, it was not. All right. And that they shit ain't admissible. So I, you already know. Like you're not you ain't coming in my you ain't coming in my trial talking about no game. Shit. Motion and limity all day. That ain't coming in. It's all kinds of case law. Mo, I had one. I had one Tampa. Yeah. Motherfuckers arguing. They've been arguing for months. They in rival games in Tampa. I'm yeah. from Tampa. I don't even know these things exist. I don't know. Police know everything. Rico, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Young Thug and all the rest of them. Um, they eventually something escalated about a girl. They start shooting each other. They start shooting back and forth. They in separate apartments. They start shooting back and mm-hmm. forth. So the, my client's like, "What they got to do with me? Why are we negligent? This happens in broad daylight." Yeah. My client, like, why are we negligent, bro? We offered them a proposal for settlement. Everything. Nope. They want to take it. Motion for summary judgment. It was stupid. I mean, it's it's now that's one way to get it done. Motion for summary judgment. Boom. Easy. No dispute of fact. This yeah. happened broad daylight. What failure did my client? What, what? What? How did they fall below the standard? Who was the judge? Judge Peacock. Oh man, in Tampa. If it was Judge Peacock, I could definitely see her granted summary judgment. So I had uh-huh. her. They didn't appeal it, though. I was like, they damn, did. y'all didn't even appeal it. They just paid our fees. I mean, it, defense firm's fees are pretty low, bro. It was like, yeah. after the PFS, we probably had, what, like $7,000 of fees? They just paid yeah. it. Yeah, well, Judge Peacock out there, and um, I think her name Peacock or something like that. She ended up dismissing one of my negligent security cases three times. <laughs> what you did wrong, bro. Bruh, like I use the same complaint I've used in every negligent security case I've filed in hey, any circuit. But Make sure them four corners right, bro. No, no, no. That was <laughs> she, was, she was using too much discretion. She was way outside of discretion. Now, it's funny, though, because after, like, I, I don't know, because I sort of looked at it a little closer and got more details after talking to law enforcement and found out that it didn't happen on the property. They were actually shooting from, like, down the street towards the property. Gotcha. I agreed to dismiss it uh, voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we handled it then. But Tampa's a crazy place anyways. Um, Bruh. They got gangs, like, bro. You don't even know they got gangs. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy as hell. I get I get some cases out of Tampa too. Um, all kinds of death cases out of Tampa. That's why when person was like, "Floyd, is that you?" I fucking panicked. I was like, "Oh shit, I'm finna fucking die." <laughs> I ain't been eating. I ain't been lifting weights, bro. I'm 180. I thought, bro, I was probably like 179 at that point. Yeah. Like, this dude's going to drop me on my neck. This is crazy. I'm not even 200 pounds no more. This shit is crazy. I have no defenses at all. That's um, crazy. But yeah, man, circle back, bro. You're talking about image, work ethic, relationships. And then the last one that you said was, I forgot. You I'm just have it up. I, I was saying uh, I work in the opponent and having a good relationship with your client, you know, but that goes back to relationships. So yeah, yeah we, we touched on all three. Yeah. Yeah. Because the bottom line is, like I said, clients that, you know, they're going to refer business to you. And uh, I was going to point out as well before we digress was, you know, lost and having experience like lost. I'm sorry. That's the fourth one experience. Yeah. There we go. Lost, lost students, uh, particularly young entrepreneurs don't have experience. I am not one to say you can't go out and lay your own shingle without having worked for someone. I'm not saying you got to go and work for someone. Once you pass the bar, Tell the truth. I'm saying your ass should have did that when you was in law school there trying go. to get that experience. So that way, you could go and lay your own shingle once you pass. A lot of people don't know what they want to do when they're in law school. That's true. But I mean, I think that if you've at least done that, now you're like, you're not a fish flailing out of water trying to figure something out. And you and I both know no one really wants to hire anybody that don't know what they're doing. Nope. Unless you do like first party insurance or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, and, I, and I, that's not disparaging to anyone that does first party insurance. <laughs> God damn, boy, <laughs> bro! If anybody who has cases against me with these first party insurance cases, they heard that shit, they mad as fuck at you right now. Because I really be looking at, I look at attorneys that do first party insurance against me, and I'd be like, I'd be like, damn, bro, like this, 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 literally all you could do when you got a law school. I'm pretty sure, like you just following the script. That's about it. You know but that's my point. That's my point. It's like super simple. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's not like it's anything too complicated. And you Except and I when you get that know. motherfucking motion for summary judgment. What? <laughs> when you got to read that policy language and, and, and you find out attorneys can't read policy language, they don't know how to read it. Whew. That's when the shit get rough. And you know, and I'm glad you made that point about policy languages because I had, you know, reading policy language is important. In fact, I had a negligence, so I got kind of clever in my negligence <laughs> cases, right? So this is what happened. This case law influences. First off, you know, like these these insurance companies are raising these policy defenses, and typically they raise the defense of assault and battery exclusions, right? Sure, yeah. Violent yeah. deck actions and whatever. There's some types so, of limitations on there. Yeah, yeah. So what I started to do is I read some case law. There's some case law on <laughs> There's some case law that essentially says that if the complaint does not allege that an assault and battery occurred, that the complaint cannot be dismissed, or at least the the court in a deck action won't declare that the policy language is triggered by the the uh, the uh, allegations of the complaint and the underlying case. So what I've cleverly done. Whenever I have shooting cases, which are most of my motherfucking cases, are shooting cases, right? <laughs> <laughs> what I do is I, is I, the cases that I've read, I don't allege that the person was shot in some sort of like combat type of situation. I allege that they were on the premises, a gunfire erupted, and my client was hit by a stray bullet. Okay. And when you allege it that way, it doesn't trigger the policy exclusion language that says assault and batteries. And now you case law. Now you're getting it past most for summary judgment, too, because now you clearly have a dispute of fact. Yeah. Oh, you fucking smart. Oh, yeah. I told you I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's smart, bro. (laughs) So 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 what I've done is I found so I had cases like a couple of them, two of them. They tried to tell me policy exclusion, assault batteries. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Uh -uh, here's the case law. That clearly says that, you know, uh, obviously a straight bullet can be from someone holding a legal firearm and dropping that bitch. Yeah. And then it goes off and it, the straight bullet hits someone. Doesn't necessarily allege or trigger the doctrine of transfer intent. So if that's the case, they can't just be like, oh, 
policy exclusion applies. So what I've cleverly done, whenever I file lawsuits, especially when it's a shooting or some kind of situation where my client is hit by a bullet, I never allege that my client was shot in some sort of combat situation. I always say he's on the property or she was on most times to him for some reason. He, he's on the property. He was there. Gunfire erupted. And you said most of the time it's a him for some reason, because most yeah. most of the time the people that's killed by gunfire or guns are black men. But <laughs> exactly, well, that's true. But but that's so. my point. I, I don't want to generalize. God, you know? It's not. A, it's a, it's a real stat, bro. Like black men die at the hands of of guns more than any other demographic. So I, it's a real yeah. stat, bro. True that. But it is it is possible to have female clients. That's, and that's true. I don't want to be sexist. Yes. I mean, but I don't think women want to be included into this fight. <laughs> this like, like they care, right? No, they, they don't care about that one. They don't give a damn about that. Oh, no, give that to the men. Hell no. Get that shit to the men. Yeah, they don't give a damn about that. And so it was like a clever thing, you know, that I that I did. So you're right. Most lawyers don't understand how to read the policy language. Mm-hmm. They don't understand what triggers different things. And so it was like so much joy to send that adjuster that case law and say and say, I dare you uh, not to file a deck action, or I dare you not to provide coverage because I'm still sue your insured, mm-hmm. and if I get a judgment against them, I'm coming to get your money. And most time, you know, they with those assault and battery exclusions, they have like you know. You know, they have uh, uh, wasting policies or they have, you know, um, policies that the coverage amount uh, diminishes based off of this. Maybe there's no maybe there's not a total exclusion. Maybe it just diminishes or reduces from a million or like 250 or 250 or a million, 100 grand or something like that for the sound battery or whatever. But uh, on top of that, with a wasting policy, but lawyers don't understand that shit. And that's the unfortunate thing about it. So it's not just. So when I say get experience, getting experience deals with understanding what it is that one you're doing, right? Because yeah. that's important. And two, making sure that you go and work for someone. I mean, I, I honestly, I feel like if you, it, I don't, as long as you work for someone while you're in law school, then you don't need to work for someone after, right? Mm-hmm. In order to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. But if you never work for anyone, then I think it's probably beneficial to at least go and learn what to do first, maybe yeah. at least for a year or two, and then start your own practice if that's something you don't That's want. true. I would agree. But, yeah, but I'm but I'm not trying to pigeon any hole anybody to just saying like you have to work for someone. You can never go and start your own practice late shingle out of law school. I did that shit. In fact, I could never see myself working for anyone, um, truthfully, uh, because I've been way too successful working. (laughs) I get you. It doesn't make any sense at this point. But I do think that people should get some sort of experience in order to make sure that they can provide the best service for their client, that they can demonstrate that they have a strong reputation um, and work ethic. And then also, um, what was the other thing we talked about? I was trying to tie them all together. Uh, Relationships and also experience. That's right. And relationships as well. So mm-hmm. I think all of like that experience demonstrates the strength of all of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what's important across the board. Like you got to be able to do that shit on everything that you do. Right. Mm-hmm. So talking about managing the firm, working with your employees, managing your clients expectations, managing your clients and your caseloads. Going to work on time, be time value, right? Going to court on time, mm-hmm. being where you got to be on time, oh, time you know, value. like all of that stuff. Yeah, time value. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, uh, <laughs> but anyways, let's wrap this one up. But yeah, essentially, what Ortavia, because you got to take us out on a good note, you got to give us a positive vibe to take us out. But essentially, we want to heart back to this the four things that you need when you're going out there hunting as a black attorney, as an entrepreneur, is experience. Probably said this out of order, but experience, relationships, image is important. And what am I missing? Experience, relationships, image, and work ethic. Work ethic. There we go. So make sure you have those four things. If you need anything, Ortavia and I are always here to mentor and always here to help out. The only thing that I ask, I don't know what the hell Ortavia asked from his mentors. The only thing I ask 
if I'm going to be your mentor, and this is just a change, right? If I'm going to be your mentor, you're going to take me out to lunch or you're going to send me a gift card for lunch. Like, I'm not going to be providing you with all this information and you don't feed me. You know you're what I'm saying? Asshole. You're still an asshole. <laughs> Bruh, I done got in I trouble. You, I thought you took it back spiritual. I thought you said the Lord talked to you on your shoulder, the little angel on your shoulder, and said it's Bruh. the right reason. You no, know how much flack I've gotten for mentoring women? <laughs> I will admit, like, a woman did, was uncomfortable of the fact that uh, I mentor a lot of women, mm-hmm. I tutor a lot of women. But what I don't think she understands, and what you probably understand, from law school is that black women are the only are, are most likely going to reach out for help. Black men, we have this bullshit as ego. We will never reach out for help. And so that's the reason why. When you gonna when you gonna get married, man? When you gonna get married and have a kid? You know what recently I found out? What's that? It's women out here that really think I'm actually married, bro. Or engaged. I went I went out to dinner. And the girl was like, hmm. So I just wanted to ask you this. What happened to the girl you was engaged to? <laughs> but I know he, exactly who you're talking about. Like, we were never engaged. We were just in a lengthy relationship. It's crazy, bro. Like, going back out there and dating and then figuring out, like, damn. It's a lot of women out there that really thought I was engaged. I don't know. But I do think that sometimes there is this fear that black men or just men appear, I'm not even going to say black men, that men have for the thought of marriage that is, quite frankly, unfounded. Um, and I think it's just maybe because we think about how much we're going to give up, right, when we get married. But honestly, it's not as bad as people might actually think it is. Well, that fear but is not over here. Ready. Huh? I said, you see someone ready. I am ready for marriage. I'm scared to tell women I'm married. I'm ready for marriage. Cause then you just told them. You just told them. I just told them my fucking self. That's fine. I I'm I'm ready for marriage. I mean, that's not that's not a misnomer. I'm ready for kids and ready for marriage. So I don't know, bro. Ready, ready for marriage, y'all. Ready to lock them down. Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but you got to take us out, man. You got to take us out on a positive note. All right. Well, look, um, I appreciate uh, everybody listening to our shenanigans for a little while. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was actually really nice connecting with you, though, bro. You know, um, I uh, I will say that, you know, success is whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can be whatever you want it to be for you. And I, I just did a, the other podcast uh, with another another gentleman uh, last weekend. During that podcast, my sort of closing remark was, look. If you want something, you just go and get it. That's it. Bottom line is, you know, you can have whatever you put your mind to. You just have to have the courage, you know, and the will not to quit yeah. to be successful and to go after. And um, fear is natural. You know, it's natural to be afraid. It's natural to, you know, um, to fear fail, failing. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, if you want something bad enough, so you just go and you do it. That's it. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. It's execute. It's, it's a vision, right? The plan is going out and doing it and just execute. That's gotcha. it. No, nope. and, and and of course having having courage and faith. You know that you know if you take this leap, that you'll be just fine doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anybody that wants to start their own practice, that's what I would encourage them to do. You know, have the vision have the courage and faith and then execute every single time. And I've been, you know, fortunate enough to, uh, uh, um, to do that with everything that I have done. I mean, literally it's not a single thing that I have not touched that has not prospered or has not done well. And uh, a lot of that is because I believe that I have favor over my life. Uh, and many of us have favor over our lives, but you know, we just lack one of those things. Either it's that will not to execute, whether it's the courage, whether it's a plan, you know, you just got to figure out what it is that you're missing. Just go out there and do it every single time. Uh, so that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Um, and keep listening to this motherfucker. Bring some pretty good content. Uh, and, uh, and bring good people on the show um, to, to discuss some things. So, hey, did you get branded? I got branded, bro. Bro, I'm not getting no brand, bro. You're not getting the brand? Come on, It hurt bro. like hell, too. It's bro. big, too. 
He's like, you look Bruh, crazy. I have, as no, hell with that. <laughs> I have no tattoos. <laughs> I have no tattoos. And I'm never getting branded, bro. Trust me, bro. Like, they tried to sign me up for that shit in undergrad. I was like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Like my my line, we they have like a line tattoo that. Yeah. I mean, bro, like I'm gonna be real. A lot of shit is predicated. When I get married and have kids, bro, I will really think about getting a tattoo. Yeah. As of right now, nah, I'm pass. I probably get my line tattoo. Um, when I get married and have a kid, but right now I don't want the dove with a six on my <laughs> inner bicep right now. But uh, well, I will. I will say this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Like tattoos is, I mean, I have no interest in going to get tattoos, anything like that. I don't think that uh, it's like, it's not a necessary, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, neither is a brand also, but I just thought it was kind of cool. Cause nah, I mean, they, I props to you, bro, for getting a brand, bro. I just, for me, bro, I'm really just waiting. If I put any ink on me, bro, it's going to probably be my kids. First, yeah. and then yeah. I could put like some ink on me for the the frat that's done a, that's done quite a bit for me. So yeah, um, yeah, that's probably the only hold back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you seem like you got your head on straight, Isaiah. I'm, hey, I'm very proud and if I don't, I bro, I'm gonna hit you up. You get me straight. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Look, I um, you know, I uh, we started practicing around the same time, and uh, you know, if there's anything that I could ever do to help. I actually like you. I'm not one of them people that don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I like your lawsuit, too. I thought you was an asshole. But other than that, you know, I, I, I've always, I always liked you. And I think uh, if there's anything I could ever do to help, brother, you know, just reach out to me and let me know. I don't uh, I don't ever mind doing whatever I can do to help. So well, now, dude, bro, I appreciate mega, it. Mega firm is uh, with black lawyers is, you know, uh, in the vision eventually you know hopefully I can hopefully you can come out of that defense firm and come and get this uh this money man I'm telling you come get this money bro this money out here wait <laughs> I'll think about it bro Tell me, <laughs> it only starts with one bro <laughs> you're right one if you can start with one all you need is one partner to start yeah you can start with one and then take that thing to another level. You already know everybody else going to follow. True. That's it, it's what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think it needs to be like a younger generation, like our generation, mm-hmm. not the ones that were out there before us. I'm not talking about, you know, dumb guys. I'm talking yeah. about, and when I say dumb guys, I'm talking about like just the next generation up. So, and I call them generation, but I mean, generation of practicing attorneys is what I, I think the better way to explain it. Cause they're fairly young. But they've been practicing a little bit more. I'm talking about us, you know, seven years, six year that 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 range of uh, of guys that are out here, uh, you know, really litigating and being trial lawyers. So, gotcha. you know, if just let me know, bro. If anything, we can you know sit down and talk and converse. But that was why I texted you the other day. I was like, man, we need to sit down and converse, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you knew I was nah, trying to. Are you in Orlando? Me. Yeah, I'm in Orlando. If when I go when I go back over to Atlanta, bro, I hit you up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then we can get together. But look, I appreciate you uh, bringing me on the show. Um, it was a great time talking to you and nice reconnecting. No problem at all, bro. Now I gotta cry. I'll holler at you. <laughs> <laughs> Peace, bro. Have a good night. Bye.